Hello folks, welcome to another SACPA session. SACPA acknowledges that this event takes place on the land of the Blackfoot people and Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, and we pay respect to their past, present, and future cultural heritage, beliefs, and relationship to the land. SACPA commits to assist reconciliation efforts by raising awareness of the ways past and present injustices can be reconciled. SACPA is very thankful for the continuing support we receive from the University of Lethbridge Shaw Spotlight and the Lethbridge Herald. Today we're very happy to introduce and welcome Jessica Brandon, Director of Program for the Action Coalition on Human Trafficking in Alberta. Thanks for joining us, Jessica. Um, Jessica has 15 years of ad advocacy experience with a strong focus on human rights. She began as a volunteer with the Action Coalition on Human Trafficking in Alberta in 2015 and took the leap from a leadership role in the tech sector to manage the education program at ACT Alberta in 2018. Since then, she has presented to thousands of community members and partners on behalf of ACT Alberta. Jessica specializes in the, in the research, development, and delivery of trauma-informed curriculum for frontline service providers responding to human trafficking across various sectors, including healthcare professionals, law enforcement, government and non-governmental agencies, aviation, massage licensing, agriculture, hospitality, and post-secondary institution. Thanks so much for taking the time today to join us, Jessica, and we look forward to your presentation. Thank you so much, Annalise. It's my pleasure to be here with you all today. Um, with that, and thank you for the lovely intro, um, I will jump on in. Um, let's just start with what we're gonna be talking about today, um, human trafficking in Alberta. Um, and what you as community members can do to identify, intervene, um, and really respond to, and, and potentially even prevent human trafficking in your daily lives and in maybe perhaps your work life, home life, just even just, you know, you, you never know where, uh, especially after hearing about the things you're gonna be hearing about today, um, you, you really never know um, where you might see it. So keep that in your back pocket. Um, importantly, some of today's content it, it can be upsetting. So I really, I wanna make sure that each of you, um, if you need to, are taking a step away to take a breath. If you need to do that, please do so. We really want you to take care of yourself, your mental and physical well-being. So please, there's no shame or judgment here if you just need to put it on mute and take a breath. Absolutely, please, please do that. I would actually request that you do that if you feel that you need to do that. Um, and lastly, a note about language that we'll be using today. So you'll hear me use the word client when I'm referring to someone uh, that ACT Alberta works with that has experienced human trafficking. And when referring individuals actually who have experienced human trafficking, we also use the, uh, as well as the term client, we use the, uh, the terms victim and survivor. The term victim, it, it's used when the act of trafficking in persons is ongoing. 
right? So it's happening, it's currently happening. Whereas that survivor term describes a person who's perhaps escaped or exited the trafficking situation and may have started a healing process. We recognize that victimization and survivorship are, are not always mutually exclusive terms or experiences. And um, that individuals who have experienced exploitation, they might prefer one term over the other, right? And so we really, obviously, we want to be very cognizant of that. Um, and uh, we want we want our clients to be able to uh, we want to be able to meet them where they're at. And so the word uh, the word victim, uh, or even the word VTIP, which is uh, stands for victim of trafficking in persons, that is also some current language that's used in Canadian legislation and criminal code. Um, and thus they are specific. There's actually specific rights and services associated with those words with the word victim. Um, and with that terminology so while a lot of our clients do not absolutely do not identify and don't want to identify with that that word or victimization um that is in the criminal code that's just some language that is used and you'll hear it today so just please keep that in mind um and just so everyone here is aware i know we've only got 30 minutes uh about 30 minutes today but please don't worry please don't feel like you have to scribble down notes or you know stress about asking the right question uh, I will I have already prepared um, a post presentation resource package for you for those who are attending today you'll have my email if you would like to receive a copy of that I'd be more than happy to send it your way um, so please know that um, and that also that resource package includes access to these slides so if you feel like that there I will say some of the slides likely feel like you're drinking from a <laughs> from a water hose or from a fire hose um, and so just know that you'll have access to those to read over later so please don't stress um, just try and be present as we go through all of this awesome uh, all of this really helpful I think information today so on the next slide um, we'll talk a little bit about <laughs> thanks Annalise um, on the next slide we'll be talking about uh, it's actually a quote from a survivor that I really love um, and it's uh, I, I put it into the presentation um, really because we want to talk about human trafficking from an evidence-based, person-centered lens in order to remain inclusive of all forms and experiences of human trafficking. Sensationalizing the issue of human trafficking only causes harm, uh, and in fact, it can prevent people from even reporting their situations, their trafficking experiences to law enforcement um, or agencies such as ours. So as a reflection of that, the following quote that you see here on your screen is uh, from a survivor of human trafficking. And they said, I felt totally minim minimized and not sensational enough to be part of the discussion. It's the everyday people, the everyday stories that are really important because these stories provide the nuances of the phenomena and will lead to real insight into prevention, intervention, and restoration strategies. So with that, let's move on to a bit about ACT Alberta. So ACT Alberta, what does that mean? Who are we? Uh, we are the Action Coalition on human trafficking in Alberta. We are Alberta's longest standing anti-human trafficking organization um, operating as direct service providers in collaboration with local, provincial and national partners to identify and respond and even prevent human trafficking within the province. So as you know and heard in the name, we're a coalition um, and we really try to include perspectives from various stakeholders, including government agencies, civil society organizations, non-governmental institutions, and the private industry, but most importantly, survivors, to really bring to the fore the issues of human trafficking in Alberta. Um, at this time, ACT offices reside in Edmonton and Calgary, while projects managed 
by ACT Alberta run throughout the province, the entire province in rural, remote areas in northern communities, as well as southern communities that uh, perhaps are rural or remote. Uh, we bring training, access and awareness to traditionally underserved areas. A little bit more about us on the next slide. Uh, our, our mission is to increase knowledge and awareness on human trafficking advocate for effective rights-based responses. You're going to be hearing me talk about human rights and rights-based responses a lot today, uh, as well as building capacity for all of our involved stakeholders and lead and foster collaboration for joint action against human trafficking in the province. Our vision, I'm hoping that it's the same for everyone here today, it's in Alberta free of human trafficking. And we aim to do that by service provision. That's human rights-based, that's evidence-based, that's inclusive, that's diverse and equitable, uh, especially person-centered, and very much collaborative with various partnerships that will also help th meet the needs of clients and communities. We work with uh, within a trauma-informed and harm reduction and public health framework to really remain respectful and accountable to vulnerable populations who are most at risk of human trafficking and related exploitation. On the next slide, you'll see our services. So we coordinate and provide services to individuals experiencing human trafficking. We also provide training and awareness and education, which you are here to receive today. So thank you, thank you. Uh, research and data analysis, assisting as well in policy uh, development, both provincially and nationally, which is pretty exciting. You can check that out on our website uh, and just continue to build capacity for community-based responses um, against human trafficking. On the next slide, it's just a title slide, definitions and response. So let's get into it. What is human trafficking? What's being done about it? You'll see on this slide that United Nations uh, little logo there. Let's start with the definition. Let's talk about it. There are there actually are a lot of different definitions used by different groups and individuals. Though ACT Alberta subscribes by uh, to sorry to this UN definition, which was adopted in the General Assembly in the year 2000, it became effective in 2003. So really not that long ago. This definition it's called the the Palermo Protocol, um, and it says Article 3A of the United Nations trafficking in persons protocol defines trafficking as the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring or receipt of persons by means of the threat or use of force or other forms of coercion, of abduction, fraud, of deception, of the abuse of power or of a position of vulnerability or of the giving or receiving of payments or benefits to achieve the consent of a person having control over another person for the purpose of exploitation. So uh, to really to simplify, more simply put on the next slide, you'll see human trafficking is the act of forcing, coercing, or deceiving an individual into selling sex or labor for the personal gain of someone else, right? So it is absolutely not to their benefit. Traffickers undertake action. See, and, and up on the screen here, I just absolutely, I love this um, graphic. We use it all the time to really break down cases of human trafficking. Um, in some of our longer sessions, we use this with the case, the case study to really show folks, you know, what it looks like when we do see a case of human trafficking. So traffickers will undertake action on the left. In the middle, it says using means for the purpose of exploiting someone. Okay. So on the next slide, this is a little bit dry. I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to. I'm not going to dive in. 
I am not law enforcement. I'm not a lawyer. So we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna get too deep into the criminal code or uh, ERPA or what we call ERPA. It's actually the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act. Um, but it is important to note that in Canada there are two legislations that explicitly criminalize human trafficking, um, and that is ERPA, that bottom one that you see there, uh, and the criminal code. And the criminal code covers both domestic and international trafficking, which we'll cover in a few slides. Um, and these, so when I say that, this just means that they can be charged um, uh, by the RCMP and provincial, regional, and even local police forces. So that's really important to note, which is in contrast with the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act, or IRPA, that actually only covers international cases. And that can only be charged by RCMP or IRCC, which is the Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada, as well as CBSA. On to the next slide. And again, please keep in mind, you'll have a resource package uh, today. So if you do, if you really are keen to dive into that Canadian legislation, um, you are more than welcome to. Uh, national and provincial responses. So to combat human trafficking, the government of Canada has adopted what they call the four Ps, protection, including proactive screening and training on appropriate detection and response, prevention, such as education and awareness campaigns, like what you're seeing right now, uh, prosecution, which will help inform patterns, statistics, and policy, as well as deterring future criminality by ending cultures of impunity for traffickers, right? Uh, and, and partnership, such as between governments, civil society organizations, um, like us, uh, the private sector, and again, other institutions other institutions for a comprehensive, coordinated, and most importantly, a collaborative approach to combating human trafficking. Some other, uh, on the next slide, you'll see some other national and provincial responses. So we have a few specific national and provincial responses within, uh, within the nation. Uh, first of all, there's the National Action Plan, and that, the first one was from 2012 until 2016, and the new national strategy from 2019 to 24. Uh, the Human Trafficking Canadian National Hotline, which is a confidential, wonderful, multilingual service operating 24-7. Um, and they connect victims and survivors with social services, which is really awesome. Uh, they also connect with law enforcement and emergency services. They also are happy to receive tips from the public. So please keep that in mind. And you see that number there on your screen right now. At this point, I always just recommend to everyone, after today, you're probably gonna wanna just have this in your cell phone. You're probably just wanna gonna have, want you're going to want to have this somewhere available to you. So please do uh, jot that down or put it in your phone as we see it here on the screen. So it's 1-833-900-1010. We also have human trafficking specific temporary resident permits. And this gives special consideration for uh, for work and resident permits for victims of human trafficking. So that is, that is through what I mentioned earlier. Um, the government organization called Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada, it's quite a mouthful, or IRCC, um, RCMP and Border Agency Task Forces and Coordination Centers. We also uh, have a Victims Assistance Fund and many, many partnerships between private and public industries such as in the financial, intelligent and technology, internet providers uh, sector. Um, and in, in, in Alberta, uh, we actually have a new human trafficking task force led by Paul Brandt, an alert for law enforcement investigation and response. And an alert stands for the Alberta Law Enforcement Response Team. So they're the, they're the folks who go and kick down the doors. Um, on the next slide, you can see this is, again, just a title slide, but types of human trafficking. So as we covered human trafficking uses action, means and purpose. Uh, how else can we classify it? What trends, what typologies are we seeing? So 
on the next slide you'll see international trafficking or domestic versus domestic trafficking and we can classify human trafficking again by several different features the first is migration type so here you can see there we have international or domestic trafficking in cases of international trafficking um, an international border must be crossed and it involves two or more countries that uh, being the country of origin or source country the country that they are likely being trafficked to or the destination country um, and there's sometimes there's an um, intermediary country as well along that route and we call those transit countries uh, the person may enter each country illegitimately perhaps with no docs uh, documents perhaps with no perhaps with fraudulent documents um, or legally with valid documents or on a visa so it's very there's a there's a lot of different ways that our clients end up here um, domestic trafficking on the other hand that occurs only within one country right so for instance, Canada, and does not involve the crossing of international borders. It can be uh, citizens, it can be permanent residents, visitors, temporary foreign workers, uh, students, or folks who have no status at all. And usually, uh, the people who experience this domestic trafficking are already residing in the country at the time of their trafficking. Um, and it can happen interprovincially, intraprovincially, regionally, locally. Uh, it may not even involve movement at all. So remember that there are elements other than transportation in that action category of the action means and purpose, like recruiting, harboring, or maybe receipt of persons. On the next slide, you can just see for domestic trafficking uh, involving transportation, we know that, uh, and here on the screen you'll see, we know that there are certain routes uh, or corridors commonly used. And as you can see here, Alberta has um, certain land and air routes between Calgary, Edmonton, Fort McMurray, and Grand Prairie, right? And, and, and some other cities, both near and far. Cars remain, of course, one of the most frequently used method of travel, especially in these local circuits. Um, and they may be the traffickers own or a rental. Um, and they may also use, traffickers may also use air, rail, bus, although buses aren't quite <laughs> available as much as they used to be, uh, boats, commercial trucks, or even public transit. On the next slide, you'll see human smuggling versus human trafficking. So when we're talking about international trafficking, though, it's, it's really important that we clarify the difference between human smuggling and human trafficking. I will be the first to put my hand up when I was first learning about human trafficking all of those years ago. I thought human smuggling, I would often conflate human smuggling and human trafficking, but they are very different. Um, and so let's talk about human smuggling. Human smuggling involves crossing international borders. It's a crime against the state. Um, it's actually, it's voluntary. And the relationship with the smuggler ends once the person is brought over the border, right? And so please keep in mind when I'm, when I'm explaining these things, this is just, these are by definition. Um, when we talk about human trafficking, on the other hand, um, this borders may or may not be crossed, right? We just talked about that. It's a crime against the person as opposed to the crime against the state. It is not voluntary. And in cases where movement is involved, it doesn't end upon arrival. The individual continues to be exploited for labor or sex. Um, and so please do note though, uh, that human smuggling can be and has been, um, we, have, we have had cases come through that uh, someone has been smuggled across a border and their case of human smuggling, uh, it does and can turn into a case of human trafficking um, for many reasons that unfortunately we will not get into today, but I'm happy to, discuss and send you the resource package later today so you can read a little bit more about that. 
Um, and then on the next slide, we can also classify human trafficking by type of exploitation, right? And so there, there are a lot of different types and reasons, of course, for exploitation we've talked about already, including sexual exploitation, forced labor, forced organ removal, um, child soldiers, forced marriage, debt bondage, um, forced begging, illegal adoption. There's so many, right? And so that said, in Canada, we primarily see uh, human trafficking for forced labor and for sexual exploitation. So again, if you would like more information about any of the other forms of trafficking, please feel free to just send me an email and I will provide you with additional resources. On the next slide, let's talk about labor trafficking, otherwise known as forced labor, which is the control and exploitation of a person for their labor or service, uh, usually through force, threats, and perhaps deception. The number one risk factor is recent migration or relocation, which is why the vast majority are international clients, most actually coming through legal means like the low wage stream of the temporary foreign worker program, but also through visitor and student visas. Most are recruited in their home countries, and that's kind of, that is often where it starts by either the employer or an agency, maybe a recruiter, but sometimes by a family member or a caregiver, right? Um, but, but may also be recruited here in Canada upon arrival. So again, very complex each case. There are so many common threads, but there are also so many differences between each of the cases that we see. Uh, and I will say from the United States Human Trafficking Hotline run by the Polaris Project, we see that there are certain typologies of labor trafficking with differing profiles uh, and victimology stats. Keeping in mind though that uh, this may or may not be the same for Canada or Alberta specifically. Um, we really don't have any fantastic statistics on labor trafficking. Um, they're really hard to come by, but soon to change. So um, keep 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 checking our website <laughs> for more of those. Uh, also keep in mind that when it comes to human trafficking, there are of course certain data limitations, like for instance, who has access to the hotline numbers? Do they have a phone? Do they have access to any any type of communication out in the outside world at all right uh, who has the means to self-identify as a trafficking victim and who has the means to reach out or even be reported have the opportunity to be reported by law enforcement or a service provider so um, with stats just please remember that these the numbers that you might see out there they they they're really never certain um, and so with the numbers that you will see today, these reflect kind of general awareness about certain types of trafficking or what trafficking is and isn't. Um, so these are in order of most to least common that you see up here on your screens. We've got domestic work, traveling sales crews, restaurants and food services, peddling and bagging, agriculture, health and beauty services, constructions, trades, um, hotels, hospitality and landscaping. On the next slide, we've got a few more. So we've got arts, sports, and entertainment, commercial cleaning services, factories and manufacturing, carnivals, forestry and logging, healthcare and recreational facilities. Individuals may be vulnerable um, and are likely vulnerable and needing a place to stay, a place to work, or even just wanting to provide for their family, right? Uh, and these, these can really be uh, things that nefarious employers or traffickers take advantage of. Um, and you know, if they are looking to exploit vulnerable persons, you know, they, they know how to do it. So here we're not really talking about people bound in chains. We're not really talking about that physical abuse or, you know, being, um, you know, thrown into the back of a windowless van. We're talking about more subtle forms of control, such as using threats of deportation. That's a huge one. Um, the restriction of a worker's movements, keeping keeping their passport, confiscating their passport. Uh, we, we have heard so many of our trafficking clients 
speak to us about just not having access to their passport and then what what do you do you can't you can't do anything you can't leave um it's it's really it's very manipulative and and often we hear about employers demanding that um people perform work that's different from their employment contract and because they're there um and because they're for the most part migrants and newcomers they're often subject to that economic abuse like wage theft right labor violations um, such as working excessive hours uh, or blatant health and safety violations um, where you know either they're they're not aware of their rights in canada or just don't feel like they don't feel safe or like they have any resources uh, recourse due to their immigration status and language barriers so this then just creates that environment where workers they feel compelled to continue working, even in unsafe, substandard, or ex of course, exploitive conditions. Um, and then within that, on the next slide, let's talk about uh, the same typology breakdown for sex trafficking. Um, so also from what we took from the US Human Trafficking Hotline, you'll see up here on the screen, um, we do have the Canadian Human Trafficking Hotline, but unfortunately, uh, the human it's wonderful we're really happy to have the human trafficking hotline but the the data is not quite there yet so we we do often refer to some of the polaris projects um, hotline information so let's jump in we have escort services which are commercial sex acts that occur at, at temporary indoor locations right hotels motels delivery services internet ads etc we've got pornography where victims may be recorded for sexually explicit video or images there's also residential sex trafficking uh, that's kind of self-explanatory could be brothels private or family homes um, or drug dis distribution homes uh, personal sexual servitude where persons are forced uh, to provide chronic and ongoing sex act it's sex acts in exchange for something of value um, so like survival sex um, selling of victims, something, you know, that may occur with enforced marriages even. Um, and then we also have outdoor solicitation, which occurs outdoors, uh, like on the streets, truck stops, what have you. And lastly, remote interactive sexual acts. So live streams, webcams, chat lines, etc. At this point, I would really like to just mention state that Act Alberta does, does recognize and tries to fight conflation between sex trafficking and voluntary consensual sex work. And whether or not you believe sex work is inherently exploitive or not, everyone deserves safe working conditions. And clearly violence against sex workers is still, it's a serious problem. It, it, is, it, has always, it always has been. And um, we, we just really want to acknowledge that. So here at ACT, we try to engage in ethical and responsible anti-trafficking work that does not perpetuate bias or oppression against any group, thinking about who is usually included, right? Who is usually excluded from trafficking campaigns. Um, so keeping that in mind as we go along, we really can best reach and support all populations without stigma or preconditions. Um, for sex trafficking, trafficking, the top three risk factors are substance abuse concerns, runaway homeless youth, and unstable housing situations. Most are recruited by an intimate partner, a family member, or a caregiver. Um, by friends and acquaintances and tends to follow a pretty certain process. So stranger danger, it's, that's pretty few and far between. On the next slide, um, I'm not going to go through this. Uh, you'll you can very easily um, read through it yourself, but it is just it's about um, intersections between labor and sex trafficking. Um, often we do that. That's very often what we see, um, and we hear from our clients, especially um, that the sexual assault piece as well. So sexual violence, sexual assault, those they they can co-occur in cases of labor trafficking as well, especially 
because of gender based violence especially for women and girls and even if the purpose of the crime isn't sex trafficking per se so we're going to just quickly go through a couple of case studies you'll see on the next slide actually so Annalise you'll want to there's a title slide and then there's the next slide with the little faces awesome thank you so let's just go over some key cases in Alberta that we assisted on and are allowed to talk about and these have actually been reported in the media so the top left you'll see that's Jenna Lynn Morris she employed 212 foreign nationals on visitor and temporary foreign worker visas but was prosecuted on exploiting 71 at her cleaning company that contracted out to hotels restaurants private homes she also had people working at the restaurant she owned and printing and distributing flyers in the newspaper she general generally paid her workers about nine bucks an hour and less for overtime sometimes they weren't paid at all or they were maybe only paid in food allowance so these folks were working between 14 and 16 hours a day they stayed in housing she provided and charged for they were charged for as many as three or five services and helping them get to work in Canada so she would also charge each of these people $20 per blanket and maybe a mattress on the floor maybe no mattress no food included in that in that charge and on top of that her workers just had huge fees up to $3,000 for you know recruitment and getting to Canada she ended up being sentenced to two and a half years and was forced to pay $22,000 in restitution to the victims next on the top right you see Ravinder and Varinder Sidhu who exploited seven temporary foreign workers at the Econo Lodge in Red Deer the workers they paid workers $10 an hour and $7.50 for overtime made them work on their farm so again it's you keep hearing about this you've got a contract with your stated duties and then you know you're supposed to be working at a hotel but so often people are finding themselves working on a farm maybe at social functions doing things that are absolutely not in their contract right and so it's important to note that even as as people who I mean all of us all of us have needed work at some time or another you had an agreed statement an agreed job description just imagine you were then shipped off to a farm to work as opposed to sitting at your desk like sending your emails it's just it's it's absolutely and it's not okay um, and these the people that were also working on the farm and at social functions uh, were were underpaid and realized that this was not part of their contract but didn't feel safe enough to um, you know to not so up to four people would live in the same room workers were under constant threat of deportation if they told authorities but they did actually end up um, telling authorities and that case is now resolved and there have there's also been restitution um, for the for these victims in a monetary way um, and then the last the bottom two here um, I'm not gonna get too far into these um, to these cases this is Amanda McGee um, on the bottom left she threatened sexually and physically assaulted and forcibly confined one woman who was 18 at the time into sex work she uh, was forced to make a quota of $2,000 a day and was um, beaten if she didn't she was kept in a room with only a blanket and a pillow only to leave to have sex with men um, at the time of arrest Amanda McGee uh, continued to look for more targets most mostly vulnerable runaway teens she was finally sentenced to eight years in prison in 2016 um, and then last this is the most uh, the bottom right most recent case is uh, Lawrence Orobar Lawrence Orobor um, 
this was a year-long investigation and there are some uh, there's it's still ongoing so please feel free to look into that one um, it's it's a bit of a long story and we don't quite have time to get into it today but please do um, please do look into that one it's it's, it's quite interesting um, let's just jump so we do have some statistics here before we move into um, the victims and survivor assistance that ACT Alberta uh, facilitates throughout the province. So maybe, um, Annalise, what we'll do is with the statistics, we can talk, those will be available in the resource package just for sake of time, because I believe I only have about five minutes left. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, great. So let's skip then to um, the slide that says victim and survivor assistance. I think it's really important to talk about that. Great. Awesome. So um, again, just so you know, um, what exactly we do. I, I would really like to just kind of go through um, what the signs are and then what Act Alberta can do to assist. You can do to assist uh, perhaps one of your clients, uh, etc. So victim and survivor assistance, let's move into the next slide. Um, a lot of survivors won't immediately self-disclose for reasons that we uh, you'll see in your resource package. Sometimes you need to identify a trafficking situation or at least a situation where you know it might require intervention. So obviously not all of these will be a positive identifier for human trafficking, but in combination, these might put a little like, hey, something is a bit suspicious here in your mind. So trust your instincts, trust your gut, uh, but also try not to be alarmist if there are other factors at play. Uh, but in general, here are some red flags. So submissive, we'll start at the top and we'll go clockwise. Submissive or fearful, avoiding eye contact, no access to wages, um, significant deductions, controlled freak and frequent movement, dramatic personality changes, unstable home life, no access to identity documentation, right? So those passports uh, being taken away, inappropriately dressed or venue for weather um, or for venue or weather. Um, I don't, I really don't like that one, um, but that's just the uh, inappropriately dressed, uh, that wording needs to change. But essentially if someone's wearing sandals in the winter, that's what that means. Um, just, you know, things that don't look quite right. A uh, few personal belongings, signs of physical abuse and isolation, scripted or inconsist inconsistent responses, or unable to speak for themselves. And that's really for healthcare or perhaps shelter settings um, or even, you know, law enforcement. Um, so those, those are just some of the general signs. On the next slide, you'll see labor trafficking signs and sex trafficking signs. So just a little more specific here. We've kind of gone through these already, so I'm not gonna go through each list. And again, you'll have this to, to check back on if you need to. Um, but just really important to notice that some of these are quite different, but labor and sex trafficking signs, um, especially psychologic, psychologically, that psychological injury, though different, is it really does create um, some similar uh, responses and signs. So just keep those in your back pocket. Um, I think it would be really important to go through those um, when when we have when when you've got a little more time. Um, on the next slide, we talk about immediate needs and long-term needs. If someone has disclosed, they likely need some immediate and long-term needs, right? Those need to be addressed. Here's where collaboration partnerships and multidisciplinary approaches are key. A lot of time we see case management, um, it's really just being about being able to meet the client's basic needs. So we've got things like safety, healthcare, food, transportation, um, income, access to justice, right? Also though, 
there are there sometimes specific needs that come up and may reappear. So it's really good to revisit this on an ongoing basis with with perhaps your client or maybe a family member that you think um, maybe are, are going through this. Um, now, Axe case management. We'll jump into the next slide before we take uh, questions. But I do want to just say, when in doubt, please feel free to refer a client to us. P please feel free to call us. We have registered social workers who are specialized in human trafficking and anti-human trafficking work on staff to work with clients, addressing their needs and coordinating services with other stakeholders. So uh, we provide that direct case management safety planning, guidance of the criminal justice system and court supports. We also um, provide in counseling, therapy, immigration advocacy and status regularization, um, healthcare and addiction support, transportation and relocation. So again, we have that victim assistance fund that when you donate to ACT Alberta, your, your cash goes right into something called the Victims Assistance Fund, unless you specify otherwise and would love to you know, fund our rent or something. <laughs> but um, when, when a person donates, it goes right into the Victim Assistance Fund and that money goes directly to uh, trafficking survivors. So perhaps that's um, paying for um, a counseling session perhaps that's paying for a plane ticket home. So just know that. Um, and then lastly, we, we facilitate specialized referrals and emotional support. And you can kind of see the step-by-step -step there on the screen. Pretty simple. Safety planning is probably the most important piece of the case management that we do. Um, and really involving our community partners who can help out. Um, it, it, takes, it takes a village helping someone who has experienced human trafficking um, I mean, that's where that partnership and that collaboration piece comes in. Uh, we're not going to defeat this crime. We're not going to overcome this crime unless we work together. Um, that's, that's, that's just it. Um, on the next slide, you'll see some resources. Uh, these are important. Please do feel free to put them all on your phone. I know that you've all already put the Canadian Human Trafficking Hotline in your phone, so great work on that. Um, it's important to note as well, ACT Alberta, we are actually not 24-7. Uh, we are not crisis support, but we are Monday to Friday, regular working hours. Um, that's where the human trafficking hotline comes in. That's the 24-7 crisis support. So please, please do uh, put that in your phone. There's also, of course, 911, but oftentimes people aren't quite ready to report to law enforcement. And so uh, we want to be cognizant of that. Um, but this slide, that is, this is the one with all of the numbers that you need. Please do, um, you know, you can take a photo of it. Again, you'll have it in your resource package. Um, and then on the next slide, there's just a ton of other resources um, and just some, uh, you know, some, some of the citations and, and whatnot uh, where we got the information that you've, that you've heard from me today. Um, I think that's it, Annalise. I, uh, I, I'm sorry I went a couple minutes over there, but um, the last slide is I would absolutely love and appreciate if um, I know again that it probably felt like you were drinking from a fire hose today, but please do. We would love to hear from you. Um, take a take a photo of this little um, QR code, and it will take you to a survey. We'd love to hear from you. That is not my email address. Um, my sincere apologies. That is Amanda's email address. But um, I will um, if we. I don't know if there's a chat that we can pop an email address into on Elise or 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 what. But I can. Um, I can provide my email address. I don't want Amanda getting a bunch of emails that she's not expecting. My apologies, I didn't change that. I see Jessica Brandon at actalberta.org. Oh, Fantastic, okay, great. Okay. That is my email, please do reach out. Okay, sorry, I didn't have my mic on there, but I see Jessica, like on the screen, it says Jessica Brandon at actalberta.org. 
So perfect. Yeah. Excellent. I guess I just didn't change it in my own. So that's, <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> Thank you. I think we can move on to questions now if that, if that works for you. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Thank you so much for your uh, very informative, very jam packed um, <laughs> session. Wow. We've got quite a few questions in the queue, so I'm going to jump right in here. Perfect. Um, the first question comes from Laura Schultz. Does uh, OHS, the Occupational Health and Safety, and ES, Employment Standards, collaborate with Act Alberta or ALERT? Have these agencies identified cases of human trafficking? Absolutely. I am happy to say, actually, for the last year and a half, we've been working with um, Occupational Health and, health and Safety, uh, employment standards as well as temporary foreign workers advisory office that actually falls under um, those those uh, government agencies as well. We've been working with them um, and alert to address human trafficking cases. Yes, um, most of them are uh, or many of them. I, should, I would say off the top of my head, uh, I would say about 70 to 75 percent of those cases are for um, trafficking in persons when it comes to labor trafficking. Um, so oftentimes it'll be an OHS officer, perhaps on site, that um, has received training. So uh, we've trained, I believe it's over 300 of the employment standards and OHS staff at this point. Um, they've taken a level one and level two training to just kind of, you know, see and understand what the signs uh, might be that they could witness on scene. Um, and so yeah, since then we've had we've had a lot come through, which has been really great. Um, and I mean, yeah, uh, knowledge, knowledge really is um, key to, again, combating human trafficking. Um, so yes, absolutely. We're working closely with them throughout Alberta. That's a great question. Okay. Um, next question comes from um, Ian Hurdle. What is the female male ratio for the various types of trafficking? Could you demonstrate the silent hand sign that victims can use to alert somebody? Oops, my screen just jumped. Um, could, I'll just start again. Could you demonstrate the silent hand signal that victims can use to alert someone they need help? Absolutely, yes, thank you. First, let's talk about that silent hand signal. Um, this was created for domestic violence, uh, cases of domestic violence um, and but it very easily translates into um, this same world. So uh, the, the hand signal is the thumb down and fingers over the thumb. Um, so again, it's thumb down. My nails aren't done, I'm sorry. That's very, I didn't know I would be showing my hands today. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but uh, thumb down, fingers over the thumb. Okay, so, uh, and again, actually that will be something, I really love that, thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to make sure I include that in the resource package before it's sent out. Um, it's really important to have that knowledge um, to take with you, so thank you. Um, and yes, I'd be happy to share. Um, these are, so our client demographics when it comes to uh, men, women, and other um, uh, folks who are experiencing human trafficking, I will give those to you. Um, we have some stats from 2021 that are quite interesting. Um, they're different than our stats have ever been in the decade previously. Uh, so I'll give those to you first. So in 2021, we assisted 55 new clients. Most were actually male um, at 55% of our clients. 40% were females and about 5% were unknown or gender non-binary or transgender. 
um, the number of new clients is less than normal. So it's a, it's about, I mean, we typically have a couple hundred new clients every year. Um, it, this is likely due to the pandemic, um, which really does indicate to us that victims were identified less and experienced those additional vulnerabilities and barriers to care, right? So that isolation piece, people just aren't having that opportunity to reach out, um, to pick up a phone, to check the internet for services like ours. So um, that has been, while right now in 2022, our numbers have picked up drastically, 2020 and 2021 demographics and data was um, surprisingly much different than, um, than it ever has been before. And I actually, um, Annalise, I don't know if you're able to, but you can see uh, on slide 28, those are the demographics that you can, um, that you can, uh, we, we created this slide specifically for um, that question. So um, as, a, as a victim services unit as well, we assisted on cases that maybe didn't meet the threshold of human trafficking, right? Like they didn't quite meet the action means and purpose, but they had elements of it associated with crimes like threats, harassment or maybe assault. So in total, we assisted 104 clients, um, both trafficking, non, uh, trafficking and non-trafficking. Um, and at any time, we really, we have typically on our case file or on a, our caseload, we've got about 30 to 60 active clients. Um, and again, that includes both new and ongoing cases. I think our longest standing case is six years um, on and off. So yeah, I hope that in a, in a very roundabout and long way, I hope that answered your, your uh, first question there. Excellent. And I managed to put that slide up. So thank um, you. Great. Yeah. Beth uh, Mandel, does Alberta Mental Health provide free counseling for survivors? So we actually partner with, um, so, so the answer, the short answer is no, um, no, unfortunately, but we uh, have recently partnered with um, a, a fairly new nonprofit organization that's made up of uh, um, board certified psychologists who have offered our organizations free services for our clients and so we um, that was actually to, to be completely transparent it was it was a bit difficult um, to get our clients into uh, therapy quickly because uh, they're I mean especially throughout COVID um, it's been very high in demand and so we do have some nonprofit organizations that we've worked with over the last decade who um, who do also provide that mental health and um, counseling, the counseling that they need. It's very specialized though, right, as well. So um, we need to really make sure that the, it's the right fit, that it's the right timing, that it's the right location, if it's going to be in person, that the person who has experienced trafficking, who needs therapy, has access to a computer, has access. So it's just, there's so many factors involved. Um, and we really are, we're so appreciative, appreciative to our, um, to the organizations that we've worked with in the past decade, um, like the YWCA in Edmonton, um, they've provided counseling to so many of our clients and we're super grateful for them. Um, and uh, this this new, it's called the Centers um, here in Calgary. And, and so there's some really amazing folks who uh, volunteer with uh, volunteer with that organization that yeah, does currently provide counseling um, to, to our clients. So we're really, really happy about that partnership. It's a great question. Uh, next question is by Leona Jacobs, and she refer references to the slide which I've just put up uh, on the map of transportation routes. 
do you have a sense of the problem by province? For example, how does Alberta compare to other provinces? Yeah. Hmm. I'm not quite sure. Um, what I will say is that with, with Alberta, I think that um, it's well known in, you know, in the trafficking world, I guess, that here in Alberta, because of oil and gas, more money is spent. And um, because of oil and gas, there seem to be a lot, um, well, we, we know that more money is spent here um, when there are, you know, oil booms. Um, in, and you can see on that map, we've got the Fort McMurray, we've got the Grand Prairie, uh, the, the, the oil cities, right? And so that is definitely where we see, um, especially during an oil boom, um, a ton of folks coming through on that circuit from um, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, uh, Quebec, Ontario, from the east. They come, they do a, the circuit is what it's called. They come east to west and they head back home. Um, we also know of a, a very, it's an infamous gang out in the East called uh, North Preston's Finest. They are, you can read about them if you Google them. It's North Preston's Finest. And typically what they do is they work out East. Um, they, they lure and recruit uh, typically young girls that they will take on this circuit um, to, and of course these, the, the girls who are quite young, they don't see any of the money that it goes straight into, um, straight back to North Preston's finest and so that's kind of that's another uh, that's another component of what you see here on this on this map of the different routes the different transit um, routes here and even so you can see the driving routes are of course in red but the flights right we see so many coming from Quebec uh, out out to the west and so um, yeah it's it's really interesting and uh, law enforcement is very aware of, of, of these routes and of, you know, the highways and kind of what takes place. Um, so we, we do know that there are, you know, that, that eyes are on it, but because it's it's just busy and it's a ton of money um, that that is traveling along these routes, um, it's, it's really hard to be able to address because they're moving so frequently. So it's hotel to motel. Um, typically, the folks who are being trafficked for sex don't know where they are at any given point in time. And so it's really hard for them to even, if, even if they could get out of, um, let's say a, a motel room, where do they go? Do they know anyone? Is it, it, is, is it geographic isolation that's um, keeping them from being able to, you know, find, find assistance? Um, typically it, it, can, it, it can be if it's in the rural communities. So yeah, I, I hope, sorry, I hope that answered your question. Those, those that I do find that, um, that circuit to be quite telling of kind of what's going on throughout the throughout the nation. Our next question comes from Clint Peterson. If a person suspects human trafficking and reports it, that could in some cases potentially compromise that person's safety. What yeah. are what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Um, I that's so. I always say the goal is not rescue. The goal is to, um, so first and, first and foremost, know the signs, be aware of the crime, um, but also you, uh, it's so important not to be alarmist. It's so important to, um, like you said, to, to, to be aware of the fact that reporting someone 
or reporting a potential case of human trafficking can in fact put them in more danger so it's truly case by case i know that this isn't going to be incredibly helpful when i say this but it's case by case and if possible building a relationship and and safety between yourself and that person may actually be what helps them make the move as opposed to um you know someone calling the police and just you know um causing more harm than good um and that's not to say that it's the police that would cause that harm but but so for example i'll just give a healthcare example so we want to be really careful that in a healthcare setting for instance that if you know if there is a a male and a female in the exam room and the male is speaking for the female just as an example speaking for her um and you as a healthcare worker you know you notice something is a little amiss um there are there are different ways to separate those two for example we when we do our healthcare training we'll say um you know perhaps there is an opportunity to separate them by um letting the the um the person know that uh, they may need to pee in a cup, right? And so that we separate them or maybe they, there's an x-ray that's needed. Um, so that's a great way to separate them. But with that, there just, there has to be, your whole team has to be on board. There's gotta be safety measures put in place because you're exactly right. If that person ends up going home with their trafficker or with their abuser, there are consequences. And so you want that, you, you really want, uh, again, like in a healthcare setting, because it's best thing that I can that's it's the best uh, example that I've got right now uh, but you want that person to keep coming back you want them to feel safe if they if they aren't feeling well um, you know and if they do feel safe in your clinic for instance they are they're, they're likely to come back and, and often it's healthcare who are the first people to see and come in contact with folks who are experiencing human trafficking um, and so yeah we, we really want to be sure that we don't cause more harm um, at home by you know, trying to dive into rescue. We want to just be really cognizant of how that person is feeling. And if that person is ready to, to get to get away from their trafficker, they they will do what they can if there is an opportunity when it feels safe. And so we have to just trust that the survivor, um, that of course the survivor will, will, you know, make that choice when they're ready. Um, when it comes to children though, that's a completely different scenario. Uh, there, we do have legislation here in Alberta, and I believe it's pretty, I don't think there's any other legislation like it, but it's the PSECA legislation, which is the Protection of Sexually Exploited Children's Act. Now, this is for anyone that is under the age of 18 who uh, perhaps is being forced into uh, sex work or being forced into um, exploitation of some kind. Therein, you can actually call, excuse me, you can call law enforcement, and if it is a child under the age of 18, that is experiencing exploitation, they can come in and just take them take them out of that situation. Um, there's some controversy around that, um, but all in all, uh, from what I've heard anyway, it has it has been helpful in retrieving children in in exploitive situations. And so that is it's that is much different. If it's a child, we have a duty to report. We have a duty to get them out of that situation. Our next question comes from Buff Mindel. Are the recipients of temporary foreign workers checked on randomly? With temporary foreign workers asked about their work and pay, housing and food to ensure they're not being abused? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when in, in working with employment standards, with OH&S um, and with the Temporary Foreign Advisory Office, we've actually come up with some really great questions that if you if you do work face to face with temporary foreign workers, please again, just email me and I would be happy to send you um, these questions to ask if you do sense that something is amiss um, with a, a, perhaps an employment scenario. Um, there are definitely really great questions to ask and actually those listed that um, you brought up are definitely some of them and so um, and even in training with CBSA uh, back in 2019 at the airport uh, the YYC airport here um, we found that in giving the right questions to CBSA agents or those the officers that sit in there I'm so sorry I can't remember <laughs> CBSA officers anyway that sit in the kiosks when when folks are coming in there are some really great questions that you can ask that perhaps will give a little bit of more of an indicator as to you know something maybe not right is going on here and so um yeah there are definitely opportunities to do that but i speaking for personally i i really don't think that there um there's enough of that um and not only um we don't want to just be asking questions for the sake of asking questions. We want to be really trauma-informed and person-centered. So if someone is experiencing trafficking or exploitation, we don't want to just be bombarding them with questions. We want to actually make sure that they feel safe, that is your employer paying you? Do, like even if, And for instance, if it is at the airport, we want to ask, you know, who's picking you up? Do you know where you're going? Where, like, where are you working? Um, and oftentimes folks who are about to experience labor trafficking, they don't know. They have no idea where they will be working. They don't know who's picking them up. Um, those are just some really interesting and um, problematic signs that we can, that, that uh, especially if you work at an airport, for instance, you can, you can look out for. Um, but we do have some fairly comprehensive lists of questions uh, if you do work directly with temporary foreign workers that, that you can ask. Um, and kind of uh, th those questions do come with a bit of a guide as well so you can also be trauma-informed and person-centered when you're asking those questions laurie schultz is human trafficking inf information being disseminated to young persons who could be vulnerable to human trafficking particularly through their social media activity yeah there there is but i mean wouldn't it be great if more information around mm. human trafficking would be disseminated? Um, there are some really great organizations um, who do anti-trafficking work, uh, especially here in Alberta, who have some really cool and very, I don't know, young um, social media information that they that they do put out there. Um, I would highly recommend checking them out, if, especially if you have. Um, well, I think our Act Alberta social media is pretty, uh, it's pretty beautiful. So I would highly recommend if you have youth um, or kiddos who are on social media, have them check out Act Alberta's sites. All of Act Alberta's um, social media is at Act Alberta. Um, lots of great information and some really um, great clips of, you know, safety, um, what to do next if maybe one of your friends is acting different, if they you know, if they're hanging out with someone that you don't quite trust, that that kind of stuff. So great. Highly recommend checking out um, the Act Alberta platforms, of course. But we've also got other, um, some other um, more youth-focused organizations like um, Hall Services, McMahon. Um, we've got the, uh, I think I believe, 
So why WCA throughout the province? Um, they've got some really, I'm not quite sure about social media so much as their website, but they've got some really great programs for youth. Um, as well as not in my city, they've got some, um, their, their um, social media platforms have a lot of great information for youth as well. Um, there's so many. So, uh, and actually, again, in your resource package that you'll be getting, we have a list of some really great agencies that we work with. Um, if we're talking about children and parents who um, really want to, you know, have questions perhaps about um, child sex trafficking or child abuse, um, CASA here in Calgary is really great, um, as well as the Zebra Center um, in, in Edmonton. So there are a lot of really wonderful um, organizations out there with a ton of great info. Okay, um, our last question for today, Leona Jacobs, you have noted the use and abuse of temporary foreign workers. How vulnerable are refugees and immigrants? Mm, I mean, even more so, um, absolutely. And, I, and it's unfortunate to say, but we know that there are, um, there are traffickers out there who are just waiting to chomp at the bit when there are situations, for example, like like the Ukraine and refugees coming. Uh, there are so many refugees, truly, that are coming into Canada at all times. So that's really important to note. I don't want to just say, you know, it's just the Ukraine situation. There are often really quite nefarious employers who wait and watch, and they know when someone is vulnerable to economic or um, just generally exploitation um so yeah I, unfortunately it happens so often um and it's so when it comes to refugees um i think that there's just there's there's just not quite enough services um and so if there is any way i just i always recommend if if we're talking about refugees I would highly recommend volunteering where you can, find out where you can drop off donations, um, just in helping gather those basic needs and those immediate needs when, upon arrival, um, I, that significantly impacts how um, how the rest of their lives here in Canada will unravel. Um, and so that if there's safety, if there's shelter, and if those basic needs are being met, then it's less likely that a trafficker who, who tries to meet those basic needs um, to take advantage of a person uh, it's less likely that they'll be part of part of the equation if the if refugees um, or temporary foreign workers or what have you can be taken care of uh, from the get-go by trustworthy organizations as opposed to um, you know traffickers thank you so much for your presentation Jessica on behalf of uh, SACPA there's uh, some thank yous in the queue as well. Um, before we wrap up this session, um, do you have a take home message for, for the viewers today? I do. Um, and you know what, I, I think, I mean, what I, what I would truly just, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you everyone so much for joining the session. Um, truly, if there's anything that, um, I would love for everyone to take home today is that the knowledge of human trafficking is truly it's 
it's it is knowledge is power the reality of this crime is so overwhelming that you know a lot of people shy away from it but the best way to defeat this crime as really anything it is to shine a bright light on it so please talk about it it's not easy to talk about but please talk about it please make sure that when you do talk about it that the information that you you know that the the awareness that you're spreading make sure that it's not misinformation because human trafficking can like we talked about can be very sensationalized please spread awareness that is safe person-centered trauma-informed if you'd like to do that please use the resources and the resource package talk about it with your kids um, shine a light on it we we can do we can we can eradicate this crime together but it has to be together Okay, um, thank you so much again. Um, and for folks back home, please join us with the Stephen Lewis Foundation uh, next week, Thursday. Pandemic, community-based responses to HIV, AIDS, and COVID-19 with the Stephen Lewis Foundation. And we'll hope to see you next week. Thanks again. <laughs>